Hi, this is Brad Zimmerman, and today we will be reading from Acts 21 through 12. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. He said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to set sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. There were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy and Tychicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went ahead and waited for us in Troas. After Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later we joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lit by many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Okay, well, before we get to the death by long-winded preaching part of this story, let's first look at the beginning of this passage. Have you ever longed to go on an epic journey? Dreamed of a day where you could just travel wherever the wind takes you? If so, you're not alone. Most of us would love to have that kind of epic journey in our lives. If you haven't, you might know somebody who's been on an epic adventure. And after their trip is done, you sit down with them and hear all the amazing stories of what they did. Well, for me, this was commonplace growing up since my brother is pretty much a globetrotter. He lived in Africa, he's cave-dived in Europe, he's climbed mountains, you name a place, whether it's in this country or around the world, and he most likely has been there or has a friend who lives there or knows something about the place. So after all of these trips, I would hear all of these cool and crazy adventures my brother's been on. The same is happening in the book of Acts. In Acts, we hear a ton of travel details about Paul and his missional family. This type of storytelling is often called a travel narrative. Now, one of the most famous travel narratives is the epic journey that all began in the Shire. You guessed it, it's Lord of the Rings. If you've ever read the books or seen the movies, you know that most of the story of Lord of the Rings happens while Frodo and his band of friends are traveling long distances to new places. And that's the type of storytelling we see in the book of Acts. Now, the Bible is an amazing God-breathed collection of books, don't get me wrong, but if we're honest, sometimes it doesn't quite catch our attention like the stories in Lord of the Rings or other epic adventures. At the beginning of this passage, we hear kind of a bullet point version of Paul's travels that can easily be skipped over, but it's way more than a few stops on a journey. 
If we look close at those first six verses, we see that actually two years of Paul's adventure on God's mission are covered. During that time, Paul writes the books of 2 Corinthians and Romans. Isn't that crazy? That in these six quick verses, we hear of a few stops in a journey, but what's really happening is two years are passing and two major books of the Bible are being written. So if you, like me, have ever read the Bible and it seems dry and sometimes quick in its storytelling, you have to remember that the Bible many times is interwoven, especially when it comes to the book of Acts. And that's the reason that for me, these devotionals that we've been going through are so eye-opening and enlightening. Because we get to see all these extra details that can be so easily missed. Now, starting in verse 7, the timeline starts to slow down. We start to focus on a single moment. We move out of this fast-paced travel narrative that Luke is writing to an evening gathering of the church in Troas, which is also known as Alexandria. Now, as a little background, the Jewish Sabbath was always on Saturday, but Paul and others in the Jesus movement were setting aside a new time to rest, gather, and give thanks. Instead of Saturdays, they would meet on the first day of the week, Sunday. In this passage, we not only see that they were meeting on the new Christian Sabbath of Sunday, but it was late at night. Now, this is due to the fact that the world they lived in was not a Christian world, and Sunday was the first day of the week, a work day for most people. So this meant waiting until the work day was over before gathering together. Now, during this meeting, some common and not so common things happen. At this meeting, there's a man named Eutychus, whose name actually means lucky. Now, this comes into play in a minute. He's there after a long day working and most likely is very tired. So as it gets deeper into the night, he falls asleep and falls out of a third story window to his death. Now, I'm going to be honest, and this might show my sense of humor, but the first time that I read this passage, I literally laughed out loud. I mean, the irony of a man being named Lucky falling to his death. Now, falling asleep during a church gathering has happened to many people over the years. I know I've taken a snooze or two before, but imagine if every person who ever nodded off during a long-winded sermon died. Now, that would be crazy. If the passage ended there, I'd be a pretty terrible person for finding humor in this situation. But what we see next is the Holy Spirit working through Paul when he runs downstairs and finds that the man is alive. Again, I kind of laughed at this because this reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All I could imagine is a British man yelling up, he's not dead yet. Now, that was a terrible British uh, accent. I don't have a good one, so that's the best you're going to get out of me. But all joking aside, God showed up and saved this man's life. And that's powerful. I mean, imagine being at a prayer meeting and all of a sudden somebody falls to their death and then is raised back to life. That'd be something to celebrate. Okay, so... All those are interesting things that I pointed out about this passage, but what does that actually mean for us today? Like, what's the point of this, Brad, that you're trying to get at? Well, here's a few things that stuck out for me. The first thing is, how often have I read a passage of the Bible without digging in to fully understand the significance? 
I know that the times that I have actually searched Google or asked a pastor or looked into commentary, I not only understand the passage better at the end, but I end up applying it to the way that I live. It becomes part of me. It's not just any old verse, but it's something that has a real impact on my life. The other thing that stuck out to me was the Sabbath. As somebody who works for a church, it's often hard for me to have Sunday fully be my Sabbath. It's more work than rest most weeks. So my family and I have made Saturdays our Sabbath, a day where we can rest and refill ourselves. But this wasn't always the case. There have been way too many seasons in my life where I would work seven days of the week, or even if I had a day off, the idea of resting was nowhere to be seen because it was left in the dust of my overly busy life. Can you relate to either of those? Do you ever find that you don't fully understand the significance of the scripture you read? Or even if you do understand it, The time spent in the Bible, the time spent with God's word has no real impact on the way that you live. It just comes in, but nothing fruitful actually comes out. Or maybe your Sabbath is just missing. Are you way too busy with work and sports and kids and activities to just stop and take a moment to rest? Do you need to find a day or at the very least a few hours to rest and refill and spend time with God, with the creator who's created everything and has control of everything, the one who you need to put all your trust in? Um, So what is it for you today? What do you feel like God was highlighting for you? Uh, There's interesting facts in there, but what, what really stuck out to you that's actually going to make a change in your life? Something that's you can apply and have make a real impact on who you are moving forward. For me, I I just want to pray for us, but I want to pray for us and give us some time just to rest in God's presence. Uh, So if you're driving or you're uh, moving, try relax as much as you can. If you have the opportunity, I just want to encourage you to, to close your eyes and take this moment. So God, I pray that this time we could just rest in your presence. That we would find peace in your Sabbath for us. That no matter what is going on later today, no matter what the craziness we came out of yesterday, no matter the good things that are happening in life or the scary things that are weighing heavy on our shoulders, that we could just take a moment and rest in you. That we could just find some peace. Much like the early church gathering together in the, the dark room late at night, that we would be able to just spend some time with you, our Father, and give you thanks for who you are. God, I pray that you would just fill us with a peace as we move forward with this day. That you would just be our loving Father who cares for us in the moments where we feel like there's no one else there for us. God, I just pray that you would show up as our Father and that um, no matter what's going on, that you would just um, provide us what we need today and that we would uh, put trust in you God, we just thank you so much, and we just ask all of this in your name. Amen.